Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That is John 8, 31-32, and this is the Living the Word Bible Podcast. I'm Sarah Chris Meyer, talking with women about the Bible and the difference it makes in our lives. Can the truth that we learn from the Word of God really set us free? Joining me to talk about that and to share what she has learned from an episode in Luke's Gospel is Pat Gohn. Pat is the author of a book called All In, Why Belonging to the Catholic Church Matters, and also Blessed, Beautiful, and Bodacious about the feminine genius. She is a Catholic catechist, editor, podcast host, and speaker, and she's previously been on this podcast talking about Mary's spiritual motherhood. Pat, thank you so much for joining me again. Glad to be with you, Sarah. And I am loving using this Bible. <laughs> oh, good. What, what in particular do you love about it? Oh, you know, I have been able to share this with the, the women in my parish. They actually gave me a little time after a little Bible study session that we had yeah. to, to break it open and to share it with other people. So really, um, you know, I'm really been learning all the features about it. And I love the indexes that we have in the back and the Bible reading plan. And also just finding little treasures and gems along the, the sidebars of, of the different pages that I'm working in. So I, I'm just being blessed. Good. I'm so glad. Well, I've really been looking forward to talking to you about a woman that you chose to write about for this woman's Bible. And she's somebody that Luke mentions in chapter three. Uh, we don't really know a whole lot about her and not even her name, actually, only that she had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She was all bent over and couldn't even stand up straight. And one day, Jesus noticed her in the synagogue, and he called out to her and told her that she was free of her ailment. And it says, immediately she was made straight and praised God. So that's, that's really all that we know. Yet you got quite a lot out of this little story. And in fact, I think you told me uh, on a previous occasion that you have a whole talk based on this woman. <laughs> and uh, I just wonder, why did you connect so strongly with her? Oh, wow. Well, God gives you a story to look at and you kind of just ponder it and you say, hmm, I wonder, I wonder what happened here. Hmm. And I often wondered that about this woman. And, um, you know, being a woman myself, I've always been particularly drawn to the stories of Jesus encountering women, having conversations with women and, and things like that. And because I frequently have been having conversations with women over the years, I've kind of had this little collection in my heart of hmm. some of the unnamed women, you know, we don't know their names. And that's okay that we don't know their names. But part of my own personal spiritual practice was if there was something about this woman that you know reminded me about something about my life or something I wanted to know better about Jesus, I would kind of just insert my own name there. Hmm. Like as if I was her, like if I could put myself in her shoes, yeah. in her situation. And also as an Ignatian prayer method, sometimes you reflect on a piece of scripture and you put yourself into the story. You might mm -hmm. be a bystander. You might be the actual, you know, protagonist of the story or, or something like that. It's just, just a way of praying with scripture. So in my particular case, um, this woman who meets Jesus is bent over. This spirit of infirmity 
that really resonated with me because I've, I've dealt with a lot of physical ailments in the course of my life. Hmm. So physical infirmity has been a little bit of a cross in my life at different periods, sometimes harder than others. When I was in my mid-30s, I was diagnosed with an early stage of breast cancer, but they treated it pretty aggressively. And I had a lot of surgery and a mastectomy and reconstruction. And when I came home from that hospital, I could not stand up straight. Oh, wow. I was bent over. I was in the hospital for 10 days and had a lot of, you know, recovery to do. And it was going to be weeks and months before I could fully straighten up using, you know, the muscles and the kind of the restructuredness of my <laughs> body. Mm. It, you know, I'm, I'm chuckling now, but it, there was nothing to chuckle about. That spirit of infirmity, that, that spirit of kind of sadness and loss, like lingered with me for a long time. Hmm. Even after being able to straighten up? Yes, yes. And I think some of that comes from just modern cancer treatments. You know, you are followed up for years hmm. and years, and you have multiple checkups, you know, every year on all different floors of the hospital and, and things like that. So you're constantly returning to the scene of the crime, so to speak, you know, yeah. you're constantly thinking about that next appointment and everything else. So you can kind of be bothered by what I would call canceritis, where you sometimes, even though you've been declared somewhat cured and your, your treatment is over, every time you have to go to the checkup, you know that a single lab report can change your life. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, it can kind of become an, an irrational fear. It can be a source of anxiety and things like that. So I would really have to bring all of that to to the Lord, like all the time. Because just, I think it's just my own temperament. You know, I tend to fret or worry about stuff that like, this has been a lifelong lesson for me to bring these types of worries and fears to the Lord, especially where my own health is concerned. And back then, I was a busy wife and mother. I had three young children to raise. So what happened to my life, you know, impacted my children's life too. So, so back in that stage when I was bent over and I was still learning to kind of rehab my muscles and finally straighten up again, that was a beautiful victory. And it just reminded me about my own postures before the Lord. Now, I've been really blessed to be cancer-free all this time, 27 years later. But posture and prayer for me has been like a real thing. Just recently, I had, a, had to have a knee replaced. And, you know, I prayed <laughs> as I was going through my rehab. I was like, Lord, I hope I can kneel down again. You know, like that will just be a joy hmm. to be able to kneel in church again, because I really did not have the freedom to do that in recent years. And sure enough, it took, a, it took a lot of physical therapy, but I finally got to be able to restore that posture to be able to kneel down in church. I'm kind of a soft kneeler, I have to say. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I, I think that we often think about kneeling physically, how that reflects what we're doing inside in kneeling before the Lord. Was there a way that the physical problem of actually being bent over, did that become reflected in something inside of you? Or did it, was it echoed in your own mental posture before the Lord somehow? 
that was a difficult time, you know, to really give yourself over to surgery and, and treatment and things like that. So there's a real kind of surrender that happens that that way. And I just, I will say that early experience of that diagnosis in my 30s was, I think the first time that I had really encountered, you know, my own mortality. And, mm. you know, I remember like going to my lawyer to, you know, update my will and everything else with my husband, you know, because of that just in case stuff that, you know, you have to kind of work through and worry through. So I remember thinking that, wow, you know, have I fully surrendered to Christ? Am I convinced that my life is fully in God's hands? So that kind of surrendering prayer took on a fuller life, going through the surgery, coming out of the surgery, the months of recovery after that, and then trying to regain um, some sense of health and well-being, both spiritually and physically. Like I felt very cared for spiritually. I had beautiful priests who prayed with me and friends and neighbors who were praying with me. People were praying rosaries for me up and down the East Coast. I mean, I really felt kind of cradled by that because I felt like there was nothing I could do other than just surrender to what had to happen. And then actively, you know, trying to not recover on my own, but like with the Lord, like what, how am I walking differently with him now? And I really learned about the hope of heaven, you know, mm-hmm. and a heavenly gaze. You know, it's just one of the theological virtues that is, is a gift to us in through our baptism. The idea of faith, hope, and love, like just being part of our, our life. I think I really discovered hope during that time. Hmm. So getting back to our, our little woman here, who's all bent over for 18 years, I'm just trying to imagine that looking down at the ground for 18 years. You said that um, because of your experience of being kind of bent over, you related to her. Was there anything else in the story that you really found spoke to you? Yes, because as I went through this and I realized that I have such an opportunity to um, be spoken to by Jesus the way this woman was. And also, I feel in many ways I received the healing from the Lord through the medical arts, but also I think through catching the cancer early and, and other things like that. I think there were just ways that God worked in my life. But I could see this, this two-step experience of this woman's life where she heard Jesus speak to her very directly, freeing her like through the, the truth of that word, like that word that kind of set her free. She was set free then. But then there was a second piece of it. He didn't just speak to her. He reached out and touched her. He placed his hands on her. And then mm. she stands up and she praises God. I see that now in my life as I've looked at her story and just my own story about having to go deeper with Jesus and, and bring everything to Jesus. I just see that as such a gift of what we receive in the mass. Hmm. Like we have this opportunity to hear the liturgy of the word, where we hear the word of God, we take it in, it becomes his voice to us. And what do we hear there? His word is truth and life and freedom and healing. And, and, are we in a posture to receive it? 
are we preparing our own selves to be fertile soil for that word to be planted in us? So the liturgy of the word becomes this word, this personal word of God to us, this word of Jesus to us, especially in the Gospels. And then the second part of the Mass, the liturgy of the Eucharist becomes this intimate encounter, this touch of Jesus, Hmm. where we are privileged as Catholics to receive the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus, our Lord, this physical encounter with the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. So this two-step movement, first the word, the voice of God, and then the encounter with the presence of God in Mm. us. I just feel like this story goes from somebody who is eyes on the earth, just looking just what's at her feet and being kind of bound to the earth, to somebody who within the temple finally lifts her head Hmm. and sees, you know, God and gives glory to God and gives thanks to God for the blessings, you know, that she's received. I was just praying about getting ready to to come on the podcast and everything. And I knew we were going to talk about this story. There was a little verse from scripture that God gave me many years ago. And it's from Psalm 3, verse 3. And it says, You, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Oh, beautiful. And that is so profound for me because as I was going through some of my, uh, you know, physical ailments and things like that, I was just beseeching God. I was just trying to surrender to God and to surrender to what was, was happening to me mm-hmm. and not a give up kind of surrender, a, a, a hopeful surrender, a surrender mm-hmm. that I'm in your hands. You have my best interest at heart. I'm placing myself in your hands and trusting whatever the outcome is, you know, whatever, the, the direction of my life is going to be from here on in. It's in your hands, Lord. I'm not going to control it. You are in control. So this idea of he is my glory and the lifter of my head, like that is this little kernel of hope from years ago hmm. that God like brought back as I was preparing to to come and have this conversation with you. It's beautiful because we can't always lift our own head. And I think of times that have been really dark in my life when I am looking at the ground. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the problem and I'm, it is so overwhelming that I have a hard time lifting my head. And that woman could not lift her head, but what could she do? She went to the synagogue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can go read our Bible. We can go to mass. We can go to these places where Jesus is there. And the beautiful thing in this story is that she didn't even have to cry out to him. I'm sure she is in her prayer, you know, but he notices her. That is just so beautiful and calls her and heals her without her even asking. It's an immense grace. And, you know, if you kind of kind of zoom out from this story and you just put it in in salvation history. You know, we have a God who comes in search of us. Mm-hmm. We have a God who comes from heaven to reveal himself to us all through the scriptures from the Old Testament through the New Testament. Like that's God's initiative to reveal himself to us. Like and and we see that being like laid out in scripture. And that's mm-hmm. why it's so beautiful to to read the Bible and to be in the practice of being in the word because 
more and more you see it's the movement of God. It's not it's not just us crying up to God, oh God, be with me, be with me. He's already here. He already mm-hmm. sees this. He already wants to speak to us. And that's why he revealed himself all through the Old Testament and then fulfilled that by sending God the Son, by sending Jesus to be God incarnate in the flesh for us. I'm just sometimes amazed at how I've been blessed by little things that God taught me as a child and as a teenager to how they are still blessing me now. You know, those little scripture passages, even that one we just talked about from Psalm chapter three, um, that this was precisely the kind of life he wanted me to have, where I have a mindfulness of his word and it's growing in me. And it's not the same word twice, so to speak. It's, yeah. it's growing in a new way. And I'm going to be praying over that that word as I go through this week some more. Just the fact that he brought it back again to kind of re-echo it. I don't think we always consciously realize that Jesus is speaking to us personally when we're at church in the word. You know, we're there for the Eucharist, right? And it's so it's kind of easy, especially if we're not familiar with the scriptures, to just kind of uh, have our eyes ahead on, you know, like my granddaughter's always ask me, when do we come to the blessing? When do we come to the blessing? <laughs> She's not <laughs> listening to anything else. But, you know, you've brought out this important thing that, you know, there it was at the, in the synagogue that Jesus called out to her and he healed her and he's speaking to us in the liturgy of the word. So is there a way that we can prepare to be aware and to listen so that we can maybe hear him speaking into our heart better at Mass? Well, depending on your own prayerful practice, um, this could be something that you could begin to focus on as you want to prepare to come to Mass. And I think certainly, um, you know, being in a state of grace, going to confession and things like that are, are really good spiritual graces to prepare, to be better attuned to Jesus in his word and also at the Eucharistic table. I also have met over the years people who are looking to spend more time in the word and sometimes preparing uh, for mass on Sunday is a, is a way to, for them to start to read the word more regularly, oh, yeah. like to start by maybe reading um, the, the readings in advance for mm-hmm. the word. I mean, these are posted online, uh, you know, at the USCCB, they're, they're available. You can buy your own personal, uh, you know, prayer books that have the mass readings already, you know, in advance that you have them in advance. So maybe, you know, each Monday you could kind of just put it on your day planner, you know, on your schedule to, to maybe read one of the readings for mass for the upcoming Sunday. And you could just, there's four readings for Sunday and you could just take the first four days of the week to, to read through all four of them and to just sit with them for just five or 10 minutes each day in such that as you pray through those readings, if there's a reading that's really speaking to you, you know, more or maybe a line or a verse, maybe that's something to write down and, and maybe, you know, bring that to, to the Lord and ask, you know, what, what do you, what are you saying to me through this word? Why is this particular verse or word resonating with me? And then you have a couple of days of runway leading up to your Sunday liturgy. I have friends who don't have a lot of time. They're busy people. They have little children. And sometimes the only thing you can maybe do is maybe focus on the gospel. 
maybe the gospel, just even on the Saturday before you go to Mass, to just spend time with your morning coffee, with just the Sunday gospel. Find some way to make inroads and connection to that Mass. The reverse is also true. You can start at the Sunday Mass and ask the Lord for your word for that week and listen for that word to come forth from that Mass and then chew on that through the week and how is God going to echo that liturgy and the, the, the word from that week through your week? Like what what is the patterns that you might see? So I think it can be kind of like, you know, there could be a preparation, but there can also be this afterwards of meditation on the scriptures. Sometimes we just need to open our eyes to the opportunity mm-hmm. that his voice is there, that that his is the voice that we're listening for. If you don't know his voice, we learn someone's voice by listening to them, right? Oh, amen. The more familiar I am with a passage, the more likely it is that something's going to jump out and speak to me. So if you're kind of at that stage of really trying to get familiar, you can sort of prepare the ground ahead of time by reading. If you read all the different readings, then there might be a theme, especially between the Old Testament and the Gospel. You may notice something connecting them. But I think to just read it in that case, to allow it to take root in your heart, even if you don't understand it with your mind yet, even if you don't hear something yet, because you're getting accustomed to his voice, and then you're more on the alert when you get to Mass, and maybe you'll hear it spoken to you. Right, right. Um, You know, I was praising this Bible a few minutes ago on this little story page of the Bent Over Woman there are some questions that um, the team and I put together for preparing for Mass. And it's talking again about this posture before the Lord. And I was thinking as I was looking at these questions, I just want to read like these questions, if that would be all right. Please do. Yeah. So this is for your further reflection. And this kind of ties into what we were just talking about with preparation for Mass As we prepare to encounter Jesus at Mass, let us consider our own posture. Now, this is spiritual posture and maybe physical posture as well. But here's the first question. What needs to be freed or straightened out in our lives? Mm. What is bending us low, weighing us down? Are we staring at the ground rather than looking ahead or looking heavenward? And what hurt keeps us from seeing the face of Jesus? And as I was preparing to talk to you today, I was thinking of this and I'm like, oh, this is a lot like what could be your own preparation for mass. Hmm. You could be asking yourself these things. Are these the things that are on your mind? These are the things to be bringing to Jesus at the Eucharist. This is also very much reminded me about the penitential rite. You know how in the beginning of the mass, we, we begin by a little bit of an examination of our conscience that, right. that we're ready, you know, to be there. But when we examine ourselves with with language like this, we start to see what some of the barriers are. And then we might not know how to fix the barriers, but we can ask Jesus to remove the barriers hmm. or remove the obstacles that are in our in our way or the distractions or or whatever is bending us low. I mean, a lot of us carry a lot of burdens um, mm-hmm. that we want to bring to Jesus. These are, this is our opportunity. We can do that before we get to Mass. We can do that through the penitential rite so that we can be better disposed to receive that word. 
That's beautiful. I really like that. So that, just for those of you who do have the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible, that would be next to Luke chapter 13 is where you'll find Pat's little reflection on the bent over woman, and it has those questions in it. So thank you for that. I know you have thought a lot about how the Word can set us free, whether that's help in physical healing, as you've had opportunities to do many times, it sounds like, or simply raising our sights from our troubles. Is there a particular verse that you find yourself going to that's really meaningful to you when you need lifting up? In John's Gospel, it's Jesus saying, I have called you friend. Oh, John 15. Yeah, John fifteen fifteen. I have called you friend. You no longer are you servants, but I've called you friends. Mm. And the the need for friendship is is a human need for for all of us. But that we have this friend in Jesus, that's had meaning for me since I was a teenager who first learned who Jesus was. And when nothing else seems to go go right or like when I don't have the words for prayer and and we all find those places where we just might be drained or empty to just sit in the presence of the friend Hmm. is important like you know if we've been gifted with with friends or spouses or or loved ones who just listened to us and we're okay with being with us <laughs> wherever we were at that day. Like that gift of the holy friend. And this is the sacred friend. This is, you know, this is Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer. But that that person calls us friend. I think that helps me to tune in to his voice because I'm blessed. I'm blessed by that friendship. He has called you friends. And if I'm not wrong, that continues with, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit and so on. And that ties right back in with the bent over woman because he called her. It doesn't say any name that he called her, but um, that's a very friend-like thing to do, to call her to attention and say she is healed. It's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And that idea that he chooses us, again, that goes back to this God who's in search of us. We think we're searching for God all the time, but it's really God who started it. <laughs> you know, he, he, you know, we love because he loved us first. You know, that's the priority. He's the one who's been seeking us all over. From our own conception, he has been seeking us and wanting to be in relationship with us. So his voice is tender. His is the voice of friendship. His is the voice of truth that frees us. So that brings to mind another uh, passage from John's Gospel, where Jesus called out to somebody and got her attention and lifted her head, and that would be Mary Magdalene. Oh, you know, Magdalene, such a beautiful um, story in, in Scripture. She's a woman who experienced healing <laughs> herself mm-hmm. with Jesus and became part of his his company of disciples. What a beautiful um, person to watch the the flowering of her faith and the strength of her faith um, because she met Jesus and was healed by him and stayed with him and and listened to him. 
I bet you're talking about the calling out at the tomb, right? At the end yes, of uh, yes, yes. John's gospel, all right? So the resurrection of Jesus. What a beautiful story that one is. It's so powerful to me because the devastation of the death of Jesus, you know, just just devastated the apostles and all the disciples, of course, Mary Magdalene among them. And the depth of sadness and the, the crushing blow of his crucifixion being overcome, uh, you know, just emotionally. And yet Magdalene is one of the ones who goes to the tomb, you know, mm-hmm. early, you know, on that Sunday. And she comes to the tomb early. It's still dark. And she sees that the stone has been taken away from the tomb. And she's running around. She can't find Jesus. And she's concerned that, you know, he's been taken from the tomb. And, you know, if, he, if he's been taken, let me know where he is. So she runs back to the disciples. We see in this account in John chapter 20 that it's Peter and John who are running back to the tomb. And, yeah, yeah, she was right. Yep, it's empty. This is, again, they they're kind of have this assessment of, yep, what she's saying is true. Um, he's not here. And then the scripture goes on to say that, you know, they went back to their homes. But the next line is that Mary stood there weeping outside the tomb. And she was just stooped. It says she stooped and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels. The angel said, woman, why are you weeping? She says, because they've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they've laid him. And then saying this, she turned around and saw Jesus, but she didn't know it was Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus said, woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? Supposing him to be the gardener, (laughs) she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that's her name, right? He's speaking directly, the friend. And the friendship and the the long relationship of, you know, love and discipleship and following Jesus. I mean, she's no longer looking earthbound. She's seeing the the glorified body, the resurrected body of Jesus. I mean, what a moment, right? Mm -hmm. What a moment. Yeah. I would like to um, read that prayerfully so that we can just meditate on it and put ourselves in that story. Because like the story of the bent over woman, you know, Mary's stooped and she's full of sorrow. And so many of us have burdens. My hope is that listening to this, maybe you will hear Jesus speaking your name and Uh, bringing you his presence and his healing comfort. So I am going to read, that's from John chapter 20, by the way, if you want to read along, verses 11 to 18. Come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds to receive your word. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Just maybe meditate on that a minute and think of how if you have 
had the idea that Jesus is gone, that he's not there. You don't know where he is. And you're overpowered by the problems and sadness around you. Saying this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and said to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Lord, so many of us are stooping and bent over, we're weighed down with sorrow or trouble, and we need to be set free. Help us to hear your voice, break through our sorrows, so we recognize you when you speak to us in your word, whether in our private reading or as we listen at Mass. Holy Spirit, lift our heads to see Jesus. We thank you for your word and its truth that sets us free. Give us grace to love and live it out in our daily lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Word pray for us. So thank you, Pat, for sharing your experience and wisdom with us. Is there anything you'd like to add? Oh, I think we covered it pretty well, Sarah. Thanks for the blessing of of bringing this story back into my life and allowing me to contribute to the book and share a little bit about scripture in my life. I'm, I'm really grateful. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you for sharing with everyone. Where can people reach you or find out more about your books and your ministry? I am found at patgone.net, P-A-T-G-O-H-N.net. And uh, I'd also like to just give a little shout out for the work that I do. The, The day job is I'm the editorial director for Living Faith, which is a daily devotional for Catholics. And it is all about praying with a verse of scripture every day and giving you a page a day to reflect on, and it might be a good jump start for your prayer. So you can learn more about that at livingfaith.com. Nice. Thank you. Well, and thank all of you for listening. This is Sarah Chris Meyer, and this has been the Living the Word Bible Podcast. Join me every Thursday for conversations with women who love and live God's Word. And please tell your friends. You can find us on Instagram at Living the Word Bible, where we will post questions for you to interact with after you listen. I would love to hear from you. The Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible and Companion Journal are available from Ave Maria Press. Use the promo code BiblePodcast when you order all this year for $5 off and free shipping. And if you're enjoying the Bible, please consider leaving us a review on Amazon. And God bless you as you read His Word.